Red Dwellers, and welcome back to Disney Top Shelf Animation. Oh, guys, oh. it's been a little bit for oh, us, and it I has forgot been. the title. Oh, jeez. <sighs> Can I try? Can I try? You, you know <clears throat> what, guys? For episode 27, <clears throat> TC is going to do the intro. <clears throat> TC, take it away. All right, here we go. <clears throat> Okay, good. Oh, oh, here we go. And you're going to get... Okay, here we go. Hello, Oh, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Internet Dwellers, and welcome to the Top Shelf Disney Animation Studios Library Podcast. I am TC DeWitt. With me, as always, my beautiful, talented, (laughs) well-spoken, gassy... Co-host, yeah, that's pretty much true. <laughs> Jeff Bell, Jeff Bell, how you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, TC. And you know what? If you continue, I should never have given you the power because I don't think I'm going to get back the show next week. Oh. I think it's, next week it's just going to be TC doing the entire show. <laughs> no, 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 no. I will no, no, not no. be here. <laughs> See, I, I, I tried to do a, uh, that bonus episode alone, and though I did, people have liked lot, it. I, people liked it, but it was weird. It was weird recording by myself. <laughs> Uh, I, I listened. I listened to it on the po- the plane ride out to California. Like that was enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of of taking weeks off, we we are back after our week off. So thank you yes. for for everyone returning. Uh, we apologize for that last minute change in the schedule. But for future reference, we have some bonus content ready for you guys the next time we have Ooh. to take a week off. And yes. I, I'm plugging it right at the top of the show here. I'm because glad, I'm glad. B- because we missed last week, this week we are offering you two pieces of content. I guest starred on the Technophiles uh, podcast. Um, a friend of ours, Dave Geisler, who we've worked with Yay. on many projects, he invited me to be on his show, and we did. Um, well, he's he's in between seasons right now, so as a little bonus. Uh, between season content for him in conjunction with Top Shelf, we did some Let's Plays of some Super Nintendo games, some Super Nintendo Disney movie games. So right now, as you're listening to this, if you are disappointed we didn't give you content last week, there's some bonus content this week. You can go listen to David and I play Pinocchio on the Super Nintendo. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> also, just for the record, this is the first time that I've heard of any of this. So this Surprise! is all news to me, guys. <laughs> TC, I, are you are you dealing with other popular podcasters behind my back? No, I'm 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 baby 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 please baby come on baby baby come on baby don't be like that. Baby. <laughs> I don't uh, think I like this at all. <laughs> uh, you know what, Jeff? I think you've been so busy the last two weeks, you forgot I did tell you I did this. <laughs> uh, you know what? You might very well have. And you know Aha! what? It's David. I'm okay, I'm okay with it because it's David. I, I, I fully support David, so that's it's, fine. It's all you win pro- this time, David. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, he listens. What did, oh, he does. He does. Uh, what, <laughs> what did, so what, what are we bringing the folks this week, Jeff? What, are we, what, is, right, what is the nature so. of the beast here? We're going to switch back over to how the show usually works, which is me <laughs> mumbling my way through and TC saving it every way, every bit of the way. It's, we it's watched. Not, it's, it's not mumbling. It's, it's sultry. Well, it's, it is. Uh, <laughs> I'm this close to talking like uh, Jessica Rabbit. I cannot think of the actress's <laughs> name. I apologize. Hepburn. Off the top of my head. Thank you. Is it Hepburn? Nah, I don't. Anyways, <laughs> we watched the 1988 animated film. They're always going to be animated, but I like saying that. It's true. Oliver and Company, mm-hmm. which... Um, I, I, wow, I <laughs> did not know. Okay, you know what the funny thing is, is that once, uh, and I'm going to come back to this, we're going to co- we're gonna talk about the cast a little bit about this movie, just like who they got for 
what parts in the mm-hmm, film mm-hmm, yeah. and uh, your opinions and my opinions regarding this. But once uh, Why Should I Worry started playing, I went, yeah, that's like every 80s Elton John, or not Elton John, uh, Billy Joel <laughs> Billy song Joel I have song. ever heard. Yeah, like, <laughs> like because it, it, it reminds me of the, yeah, it just reminds me of the songs that he was doing around that exact same time. Oh, and boy, this, I yeah. wonder now if I've actually heard him play that live. I feel like I have. You, There's a very good chance you have. Uh, uh, um, David, who um, I... The Technophiles David mentioned that Why Should I Worry from Oliver and Company is on his workout playlist to this day. <laughs> and it's a good song. It's a very it's a very good song. song. Uh, and uh, though I have seen this movie before, the most exciting thing for me is when the movie started and the the dulcet tones <laughs> of Huey Lewis Huey started Lewis. singing. I'm like, oh, is this Huey Lewis? Big capital letters in my notes. Is this Huey Lewis? I, <laughs> that is I, that is funny enough. That is my second note. Is that Huey Lewis singing? Oh man, yeah. I I I had no idea. Like I once once I heard Huey Lewis singing, I went, well, that's not. Well, that's not Billy Joel yet, no, but okay. Yet, and like no. I, I, I googled like soundtrack listing, and and I was reading the wiki and all that stuff about it, and how uh, they the the idea being that they wanted a handful of songs, they weren't written by the people who performed them, mm-hmm. but they were written to be sung by like big name artists. So basically, they could try to uh, not cash in on the the popularity, but you know, it's like hey, we got a lot of big name musicians singing songs on yep, our soundtrack yep. and our movie. So it's it's not the and first it's a nice time, way to start it. It's not the first time that Disney has done something like this and using you had the um the the sisters during the the ha, hashtag package, package films. So it's like, <laughs> and, and having someone like Bing Crosby do uh, right. Sleepy Hollow. Like it's not out of uh, their wheelhouse to do something like this. Although this movie feels so 80s. Oh, because it does. of the because of the and you call them big names. <laughs> I mean, yes, <laughs> big names yes. for the eighties. Yeah, well, were, no, Billy, you know? Billy Joel still sells out Madison Square Garden like monthly. So I guess yeah, yes, consecutively, he's a big name. But like, it's just funny because this movie is unbelievably dated. The, the, <laughs> well, let's see here. Oh. Who who are the who are, who are some of the people that sing songs? We have Huey Lewis. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. Billy, Billy Joel. Joel. Okay, yeah. yeah, he still is performing. Yeah, Bette Midler. Uh, Bette Midler. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, she's just classic eighties. That song written is that song was written by Barry Manilow. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, what are you talking about? You got you got a little bit of uh, the, you know, you got a little oh, bit of eighties in that. In it, music, it's but. it's it's just one of those dated scenarios where it's like. <laughs> Yikes! Yeah, this is. <laughs> but Jeff, you have not seen this movie before. This was your I have completely yeah, brand I, new experience I, for you. I have never seen this movie, but it's so weird because watching it, I kept thinking I have seen this movie, but I, but I haven't. I absolutely have not. I know I've seen. Um, <laughs> Because I think it was like they they did like a oh I think when they released it on video or uh, really maybe re-released it in theaters or something like that in like the mid nineties, I oh you know what it was released to video that's what it was yeah, yeah. it was released in, in on video in ninety six I remember seeing commercials for Oliver and Company like coming yes. on video like yes. I remember that yeah, because this... they always played why would I or why should I worry why they, that's I the song worry? they played and them like strutting down the street that's mm-hmm, what I remember. Mm-hmm. It, this, and this, I think that's what I remember of this movie, not necessarily ever seeing this film. Right, and and, and that's I. It doesn't surprise me because they they really this not great mouse detective. This in itself was a beginning of the marketing era that we know Disney to this day. This movie right. did set a lot of standards for what's to, what's to come. As much as Great Mouse Detective 
was the hints of the Renaissance, right? You could see some animation technique and some performance technique and storytelling technique and, and just overall production. Oliver and Company, if, if this movie can be cited for anything, it's that this started, I mean, McDonald's tie-ins. This movie has product placement. <gasps> I know. I made a note of that. I was I had I was watching the movie going, "Oh, look, there's an ad for Coke. Oh, now there's one for Kodak. Oh, now there's one for Sony yeah, McDonald's. What is going the, on? The, like the, very the, predominantly placed product mm-hmm, placement. Mm-hmm. The, and now that could just be because they set it in modern day 1988 New York City that it's right. just because of that you therefore have the that free advertising for Coke and for uh, for what have you but it but but that, that last shot of the movie when they pull up away from times square i'm like this is just a, this is just a still frame of every <laughs> like big name company in america at this moment in yeah, time yeah it, it was <laughs> it it really stuck out uh, stood out to me because this is uh, you could say the package films were set in a modern day but there was still they didn't in, feel inherently modern day mm-hmm. I, I, th- this is the first movie set in present day when it was released it was set in the present day that it was released. We have not seen that in any other Disney movie up to this point. Because I was a little confused at first. I was like, is this the first one? Is this the first movie? And I, I, I corrected myself. And I'm like, was this the first movie that took place entirely in like a major U.S. city? Like a recognizable major U.S. city. I know mm-hmm. Dumbo took place in what, Florida, I think, supposedly. Yeah, they, 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 they trekked around the, the map, the, the poorly poorly drawn map. The poorly drawn <laughs> map where apparently Wisconsin is just, I don't know, that's a big glob in the north. Blah. But like, <laughs> blah. But then, um, but then I realized, like, oh, no, because like The Rescuers takes place in New York. But The Rescuers was not a modern film, was it? No, I, I don't. Was re- The Rescuers oh, more you know. of a, like a 50s and 60s era? I, I do Maybe. feel like, you know, I guess someone could correct me if I'm wrong, be, but I don't think so. I think Rescuers did, was a was set more in the 70s, like not present day for when it was released. But then again, okay. you know what, that, that, now that you mention it, maybe, maybe Rescuers was modern day. I would though. I would. I, I would argue though that watching the Rescuers, the Rescuers feels far like further removed from the present day right from when it was yes. released at yeah, least yeah, than yeah. this one this movie does this movie feels like oh yeah that's the late 80s oh, i don't know if that's because i was around like I, I i was i i was around in the world at that point granted i was i was three years old four years old <laughs> when this movie came out but still like i recognize things in in this movie where i'm like yeah that looks that still is kind of like new york yeah and i don't know if maybe the rescuers because i realized that the 80s was that was still in that period where New York was kind of a crummy city. <laughs> yeah, it was, you know? in the, like, eh. it was in the transition from the red light district to the tourist trap that Times Square is now. Thank you, Mayor right. Giuliani. And now this film does, however, because, I mean, they do go into Times Square, even if it's just briefly. Mm-hmm. It does. This movie feels like they're trying to paint a nicer, no pun intended, <laughs> paint a nicer image <laughs> of New York um, than maybe it was at the time. Because I've seen a lot of, I mean, there, I, I'm, I grew up watching 80s movies, a lot of live action movies, and a lot of them took place in New York, and they all just felt dirty and grungy and crappy. I mean, yeah, well, um, that's that's New York for you. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, I, and I'm not saying it's not like that. I'm also not saying it is like that, but in, any big city is going to be like that. Hey, mm-hmm. my the city I live in, which has got 30,000 people, has kind of questionable areas in it. <laughs> that sounds wrong. It just means like it's old, dirty like areas. Yeah, it, so it's I, the sheen of the like the fantasy sheen of Disney movies is is 
in a sense lifted here because it does have mm-hmm. it does have the the dirtiness when you look at the Sykes the way he smokes and like that green filthy look to him and the and the docks right. and there there is a grime to it but it does also have that sort of touched up pseudo reality but this right i i keep saying it, this movie is so dead the music is so 80s the the title <laughs> cards are so 80s i mean hell i know even even capitalizing on 1989 yorkers with with a cast like billy joel and bet midler like those are <laughs> those are 80s late 80s new york icons i guess <laughs> question mark we are of course forgetting cheech marin i, I know he's yes. not new york but I got excited because I didn't realize Cheech Marin was in a Disney movie prior to The Lion King. Prior to The Lion King, <laughs> I, I forgot as well, and and I'm and I'm wondering. I I didn't. I kind of was on the fence on this. Is he playing a stereotype, or is he just playing? Like, is he is he stereotypically bad, or is he stereotypically realistic? You know what I'm saying? Like, I could <laughs> right. decide it's Cheech. And I've seen Cheech Marin in so much stuff that I'm like, nah, he's just playing to his character type. Like this is, <laughs> this is him, and it's and just all, who he is. Yeah, but all the dogs play archetypes in their little gang, um, so I don't think there's anything offensive about it. <laughs> oh no, but, no. And the thing was, is like watching it, I was just like, well, yeah, that's the that's exactly the part that I would have expected Cheech Marin to play <laughs> in any any animated film kind of just that type of character not again not it not being any kind of stereotypical reason just you know this was the 80s he was still coming off of Cheech and Chong obviously <laughs> like after all those years and it's like well yeah that's exactly who he would play he'd play a little kind of just yippy you know hey man they're going up man come on like that like that <laughs> character it's it's pre his days on was it law, law, not law and order uh Nash Bridges Nash Bridges and oh like, my god <laughs> Well, and you know when he actually did do non Cheech and Chong TV shows right. and, and, pro- but, and programs, but you, you've touched on something here. We've we've kind of delved in this area here. We they cast these adult icons. They Cheech Marin is not a kids performer. He, oh, <laughs> you know he kind of retroactively became so with Lion King and this. But uh, Bette Midler and Billy Joel these aren't these aren't names to put kids in the seats. These are names to hopefully get the the adults in the seats, which, right. uh, and I want to get into this a little bit later, but this is just part of that cat. This is part of the Katzenberg Eisen, uh, Eisner era that a decision like this to try to capitalize on, I mean, hell even Dom DeLuise, come on, cannonball <laughs> run and smoking the bandit. Like this is, this no is no kid is going to know who Dom DeLuise is. No, this, in is this, movie. <laughs> this is Burt Reynolds sidekick here. And, yep. uh, and now, now actually I thought them Dom DeLuise, it was, it was neat to hear him in a Disney film, but he had only done one Don Bluth film before this. So he's known for his Don Bluth roles, but he hadn't. But this is the, and it's crazy because he doesn't even sound like Don DeLuise to me when I was listening to it. Like I know he was because I, 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 I know he played uh, uh, Fagin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it's like I, it didn't sound like what I always know of Don DeLuise. You know, and and I don't know if it's just because I grew up watching, you know, the the uh, like like obviously a lot of the Mel Brooks movies and mm-hmm. a lot of like those types of films where he always played the over the top kind of crazy. I can't even describe how he played his character, he, he, but for his era, he was a very Chris Farley type, <laughs> right? And like I don't know if maybe that's that's who I'm used to. I'm used to that Dom DeLuise, so to hear him 
give, and this is going to be insulting to perhaps some of his work, but to have him give like an actual performance <laughs> that's not the over-the-top comedic guy well, yeah, but no, like I, an actual serious role yeah I, I, it was I a nice change i don't think that you're you're insulting him by saying that because this was a dream come true for him this was something that he he dreamed of doing in throughout his career much like um uh, uh vincent price with with playing radigan Dom mm-hmm. DeLuise, this was this was a fulfillment of something he'd always wished to do. So he he gave it his all. He he did make it more of a performance than maybe he did in some of his more, we'll call them coke fueled performances. <laughs> uh, but he what he was, what are you talking about? I don't he was know. he was allowed to ad lib a bunch of his, much of his dialogue that they ended up using. And yeah, there's there's there is an interesting element to his performance i i honestly think that he has he and the the actor voice actor who plays sykes have the strongest performances in the whole film they're the okay. two i mean sykes is the villain oh is the villain and that's yeah. for and oh that was uh 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 robert uh, i don't know i can never remember how to pronounce his last name it's like uh, logia or, or logia everybody knows who he is a by his voice and b if you've ever seen the tom hanks movie big yeah. <laughs> or Independence. Or Independence, Independence Day. Day. Or yeah. Scarface. Come on. Any of those works. Okay, guys. He's, a, like he's he, a famous character actor. And yeah. Yeah. You'll, he's one of those guys like, oh, that guy. That guy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's what Philip Seymour Hoffman was bef- and John C. Riley were before their careers really took off. Like, oh, yeah, that guy. Right. <laughs> that guy. Oh, yeah, I've seen him in like a hundred things. Yeah, and it's because you did. He literally was like in hundreds of things for the but longest time. Their their performance, they're both Sykes and F- uh, Fagan, so Dom DeLuise and, and Sykes, uh, voice actor, they gave the best vocal performance. And I, Sykes has the best animation in the whole movie. Yes. I think his character work, like his design work, he's... And it's it's interesting because they really did ground this film into a reality. But when he starts going crazy bananas near that the, the <laughs> end when on the on the um, on the the subway tracks, it's right. it's reminiscent of Cruella Deville where she was suddenly like fiery eyed and doing wild animated takes. It was. It's like where did that come from yeah. out of this character? <laughs> this character was kind of grounded in reality to a point, and then all of a sudden went completely bonkers. It's a. Um, it's not entirely. Uh, against the inconsistencies of this film overall, if I'm being honest. Oh, no, no, not at all. I would like to say, though, this it, it, the, the movie threw me for a little loop. Since we were talking about uh, Sykes as the bad guy, it threw me for a loop for a while because... Uh, going into it again, I didn't know Sykes was a bad guy or was going to be was a character in the film. Mm-hmm. So I'm going into it, and uh, the character that uh, Dom DeLuise plays, mm-hmm. uh, or, or sorry, Fagan, I was like, oh, is he? Because it was kind of leading this way. I'm like, is he the bad guy of this? Are 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 all of our kind of like our, our our Dodger and Tito and all them? I'm like, are they all kind of the bad guys? Is that where we're going yeah, with this? Well, and it threw me for a loop a little bit until then Sykes showed up and I went, oh, so they're all more like morally gray. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not necessarily good guys, but at the same time, they're not bad guys. And that Sykes is the opposite end of the spectrum. Right. And Sykes is the villain. And then um, uh, Jenny and uh, her butler are like the good guys. And then uh, Fagan and Dodger and the rest of them are just kind of in the middle of like, well, we're, you know, mm-hmm. we're trying, you know, yeah, we're stealing stuff, but it's for, you know, to keep us alive and, and all that sort of, and that, 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 yeah. all of that, you know, rub nub, whatever. Rub nub nub. <laughs> Rub, nub, well, nub, well nub, nub, nub. It, it you it's like Dodger 
Dodger's an a hole, man. I like. I know. You know Billy Joel did fine with the 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 work he had, uh, what he was working with. He's not a he's not a an actor. Okay, like no. he, he he performed <laughs> his lines fine. Um, in fact, look up any behind the scenes footage or photos of Billy Joel. He's wearing his white t shirt and sunglasses for everything. <laughs> of course, of Every, course he is. Everything, everything, everything. But Dodger is a is a is a jerk like i don't i'm not, i don't he's not like a cool guy he's a smarmy jerk of a guy he's to be honest he has the cool guy attitude yep of a lot of dreamworks movies which again is the if is the katzenberg effect here is what i'm going to yep. call it this movie does not feel like a Disney movie. I know we've said that about Disney movies before, but this does not feel like a Disney movie. This feels like Katzenberg pushing an pushing a different for for what he thinks animation should be. It's modern day. It's hip. It's cool. Everyone's too cool for you, right? Yeah. Like that. That feels very. Meanwhile, also right, and also meanwhile pulling like you know uh, pulling celebrities and those big name people and actors and and, and such that. He remembers maybe from his childhood mm-hmm. in some cases and going, yeah, we got to get them in this movie because because that makes sense to have that character and, or this actor and this musician. And and it's like, but 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 cat, but, you know, the kids don't listen to them. But it's like, mm-hmm. oh, no, 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 it's cool. The kids love these things, love these yeah. people. I, I will we'll delve into the history since we've been touching on this era behind mm-hmm. the scenes quite a bit. Uh, but it the the characters aren't likable i mean there's there's elements it's like oh that's neat a penny penny i like obviously she's a sweet little girl yeah. but um uh, oh, on the opening scene with oliver being left alone in the box okay and the <laughs> rain destroying the box we I just i nearly it took I, us <laughs> it took us almost 20 minutes jeff it took us almost 20 <laughs> minutes to name and discuss, we're going to talk about him now, the title yep. character of this film. <laughs> yeah, I know we kind of skipped entirely over no, Oliver. I, well, I think that says something about this movie, okay? Is Oliver, he's not a main character. He's not the main character. No, no, he is not no. the main character. For 20 minutes, he just sits and watches. He is completely ineffectual as a character. And this is this is just poor screenwriting, <laughs> Well, and you if can... you think about it, look at look at how look at what happens with this character. He gets a happy ending and he goes away, <laughs> and the the rest of the cast basically bring him back to the movie. <laughs> yeah, because they go after him to bring. It's him a very back. They... it's a very cute opening. It's a very cute opening. Yes, uh, seeing him in the box and like, oh, I'm a kitty. Mm-hmm. Why won't anyone adopt me? But yeah, he he gets his happily ever after. And you're right that just when I think I'm out, they suck me back in. Like I was happy. <laughs> Why'd you bring me back? And then Dodger be like, fine, man, leave, get out of here. That's right. Walk out the door. There's the door. I don't care. <laughs> That's a spot-on Billy Joel impersonation. Thank, thank you very much. I, uh, I mean, it's not my it's not my Black Cauldron guy, but uh. that's true. Uh, which was still pretty dang spot-on. Mm, uh, but thank you. <laughs> so where, where I said Sykes and and Fagin were the best animated characters, I think the best vocal performances. We cannot um, ignore the fact that Bette Midler, Bette Midler rocked Georgette as the character oh as yeah the, as her character so much so Georgette to me stands out in this whole film it might be because of Bette Midler's performance but I th- I think of this whole film Georgette is the Disney character she has 
the showstopper. She sings like a Disney villain. Like in mm-hmm. in in a different version of this script when they could figure out who the hell the main character was <laughs> and who the bad guy was. Georgette and and Bette Midler's performance of Georgette and the animation of her she, and how she's written, she is a very Disney character. Much in the library we've seen so far and much like characters we'll see in the future, she stands out to me. Um and she then, stood out and yeah. when she showed up again, this is my my constant confusion as to who the bad guy was in this film. I went, wait, she's the villain? Is is she the bad guy? Because she doesn't want Oliver around, but then she kind of all of a sudden turns as well. And I was, <laughs> but who pick one pick bad a lane. guy? Pick a lane. Pick a lane and stick with it. Oh, so bad. Yeah, and and, and I, I feel bad because I do know that there are there are, people do have a soft spot for this movie. People do have fond memories of this movie. We are entering an era, Jeff, where men, most of our listeners will have grown up with the films we are discussing. We're, that's mm-hmm. that's something that we're going to have to be aware of as we're discussing the movies coming up. These are movies that we ha- will have specific nostalgia for because we will right. have seen them when they came out. I don't. I didn't see Oliver and Company in theaters. I, w- I don't remember seeing this movie at all until uh, I remember the commercials like crazy. But right. I, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know when I first saw this. It was within the past ten years is when I f- finally sat down and watched this movie. But I understand that there's, there is a love for this movie, and there are some cute elements to this movie. But in the grand scheme of things, of the dog and pet movies, uh, the animal movies that Disney has made so far, this mm-hmm. really is one of the weakest. And I, I'm, I'm kind of like jumping way ahead in the conversation, but it, it, <laughs> I, it's worth, it's worth pointing out now that this movie I just this movie has a lot of weak points in it and that's super disappointing I mean in its original conception uh, it was meant to be a rescuer's sequel I don't know what the rescuer sequel is going to be and they eventually (laughs) moved it to to rescuers down under which we'll get to in two movies but right I mean help Penny Jenny come on (laughs) right and they're basically kind of the same character ish yeah they even even Uh, look alike yeah right I like to think in the back of my head that it, it is the same character, that after the the events of the Rescuers, she went on, got a name change, and continued to live in New York <laughs> without aging for another 10 years. Wit- witness so, protection. Witness protection. Witness brother, yeah, exactly. Oh, probably from Sykes. <gasps> oh. What if Sykes is actually the former husband of the lady from the Rescue? Madam, <laughs> oh my goodness, everybody, we broke this one open! Nope, nope, I like nope. this idea. I do not I prescribe. Like subscribe, I... prescribe. I would prescribe, I prescribe to your nonsense. You subscribe. Uh, <laughs> but after the success, also quick for a okay, quick second, yeah. TC for for a split second there, the way you were going, I thought you were going to ask me where do I rank it amongst all the movies. <laughs> I thought you were leading into it, and I'm like, oh no, you don't. 20, no, you don't. Like a half hour mm. into the show, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, no, I, we we still have much to discuss because right now I am I am leaning towards these negative elements of it. I am I am touting the positive of it. I I think Bette Midler does a great job as as a Disney villainess, as a Disney... She feels very Disney. I I think the voice acting from Dom DeLuise... I mean, his ad-libbing, being a forerunner to Robin Williams for what we will see with the with the genie in Aladdin, being this forerunner of trusting a performer to to spit out enough good stuff that you can build a performance around him. Um, and uh, the... The climax of this movie, the animation of the, ch- of the chase of getting on the subway tracks and Sykes smashing the window with his fist, and the mm-hmm. yeah, there's, there's there is some 
pretty solidly cool elements. Uh, uh, this is a subtle thing, but it's a detail that I appreciate. When yep. Sykes first shows up, Fagin breaks the mirror off of his car. Remember that? He like breaks yeah. the mirror and he falls into the drink. At right. the climax of the film, when he shows up in Fagin's office, he touches the model and breaks the same mirror off. <laughs> I did not catch that. Yeah, that's a that's a nice touch. That's that is that is the type of detail that spread across an entire film makes a film stand the test of time. I'm not saying oh, yeah. this film is standing the test of time just by that by that respect nope, that's it that was the sole reason <laughs> that's it's it standing people <laughs> people will forever remember this because a mirror got broken <laughs> <laughs> a silly little mirror gag <laughs> well i do want to talk about uh, you know we are yeah like you said we are kind of talking a little bit more about the negative object or negative uh, side of the movie but i do want to point out the fact that this was the movie that started using a lot more cg in it Oh yeah, all the all the cars and a lot like of like the, the buildings, mm-hmm. like the whole train, like basically the whole train sequence, uh, or on or on the 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 L or whatever you want to call it, uh, like that whole subway sequence. Like most of the vehicle on that was all was all CG. I liked. I mean, it's it's it doesn't go without like being noticed. <laughs> you know, it's not like seamlessly integrated into the the the, the animated portion of the film, mm-hmm. um, or like the hand drawn stuff, but. It's it's fascinating to see like we went from uh, the Great Mouse Detective, which had what was it? Oh, it was it was the clock tower sequence, right? The the finale, yeah, right. And then you're going to this movie where it's like every car that passes by and that they hop on and they drive in, it's like it's all like it was all CG and how you can kind of see like oh yeah, the technology is getting a little better. Mm-hmm. It still mm-hmm. looks a little fake compared to what a hand drawn would have given you. I'm not sure a hand drawn would have gotten you more realistic. Does that even? <laughs> my head just well, hurt because it, it would have blended it would have blended to be, blended together better which is True. often a case where you it were animated movies utilize cg and hand-drawn it doesn't quite mesh and and there are moments in this where it doesn't mesh very well but there are moments where the 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 cg and the hand-drawn animation blend together pretty darn seamless seamlessly right i was just going to ask you if it, if the cg was distracting at all like did, did like did you did you go up, oh, look CG car like were you no, ever no, no. at that point with the movie? It it, it, it didn't jump out for me for, uh, in that respect. What did jump out for me is that this is a less refined animation style. It's not this. It's not the Xerox sketchy style that we saw in the in the early '60s that we got with like Sword in the Stone and Hundred One Dalmatians because they they made that work for their their style. There is an unrefined element to this animation in general and i i think that's due in large part because katzenberg said movie a year we're we are releasing an animated film a year from this point on (laughs) and that is a tall order for a company to pump movies out when you pump movies out like that it's gonna say things are gonna be sacrificed whether it's the animation Mm -hmm. or it's the story or the performances that's a it's the difference between wanting to make money and wanting to make art. And I and right. the animation, the hand-drawn, or the CG didn't jump out at me at any any particular moment. I was like, oh, geez, I get it, guys. That's a computer-generated <laughs> image. Uh, what what jumped out to me more was the, the less refined look of... Because really, compare Great Mouse Detective to this, and there's... You would, you would think Great Mouse Detective was the more... was the newer film. 
because it's right, clean, like it, it's cleaner because it's cleaner. And it looks yeah. it looks more refined to a you know look like they look, it almost look like they spent a little bit more time on it than they did this one. Yeah, yeah. Huh. I get that. So I guess that. I mean, how about you? Did the CG uh, jump out at you? It's 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 hard for me to say for a fact. I know there was definitely some of it that did blend really well, but it did just knowing after having seen all the movies we we have and knowing they did use CG in the film I didn't know it to what capacity I just happened to have read that they were using it because mm-hmm. um, they're like touting it like it's oh yeah it's like 11 minutes worth of this movie was CG <laughs> uh, whereas like the great mouse detective was just that scene right. or just those elements um, there was a couple of them that I went like oh okay another car CG <laughs> all right Mm-hmm. Um, them talking about though, apparently, like some of the the skyscrapers and the buildings are CG, and none of that stuff stood out to me. So I don't really know how, in what capacity that is supposed to be computer graphics. Mm-hmm. Um, if it is okay, that they did a great job at mimicking a hand drawn <laughs> style because that's what it looked like to me. Yeah. Um, I might have to look in a little more digging or do a little more digging <laughs> to see exactly what was CG when it came to the buildings. But it, it wasn't. It, it wasn't that. It wasn't. It was never distracting. I guess. Yeah. Um. It was just more of a. Oh, okay. Look, they're doing more of it. They're doing more of it. And I feel like they've, they, they've either tapered off. Excuse me. They've either tapered off a little bit as to how much they use mm-hmm. as these movies go on, or they just did a better job at ma- making it match the rest of the film. Yeah, I'm curious as we as we move beyond this film and CG does become more prevalent, how well it's aged because mm-hmm. some of these movies you haven't seen some of these movies I haven't seen in many years. And the more scrutinizing eye that we have as a modern film watcher might be, Oh boy, that's really carpet. Doesn't look good at all. I mean, that's right. Guessing at this point. I know, I know. Please don't, (laughs) please don't remind me about how carpet might look when we get to Aladdin. Please don't. He'll look great. He'll look great. I swear. Um, But uh, it's not to say that they didn't, they didn't put detail work and really put a lot of effort into this film because they did. I I don't want it to make it seem like I think this is a sloppily put together movie in general Mm -hmm. because they even going so far as the, the animation team, there's always like with Bambi, they brought actual animals in to study and there's, there's movies of the past where they've done something uh, to, to figure out how to make an element work in a film. Like with this, the, the, the visual referencing that they that the animators used was going throughout New York City with a camera 18 inches off the ground <laughs> to get an idea of a dog's eye view. That's really clever. That's it's a simple technique, but it's a a technique that that worked in this film in terms of its perspective. I appreciate right, that. Right. Well, and and it did. It it it. it they could have faked it. They really, honestly, could have faked that point of view and just went. Well, I, I kind of think it looks like this. But the fact mm-hmm. that they took that time to get that resource material just shows that they they did care about doing something. Right. Yeah. That sounds yeah. horrible. It makes me, it makes me <laughs> sound like I just absolutely hate the entire film. Not the case. Not, Not the case, guys. Yeah, don't yeah. get don't get sad. Um. But yeah, no. I it, it's uh, I I do like when they do that sort of thing, and I and it, it does it. It does. It feels like New York. It looks kind of like what I would expect New York to look like from that point of view. And and they did do some research, which I guess cool. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. Like I have like I got I have I have like a little to say about this particular film. Well, the, let I me apologize. let me jump on some stuff here. So if if I can, uh, so Dom DeLuise actually passed up being in Land Before Time to be in this movie. So he he oh, said, man. "I'm sorry, Don. I know you, uh, Mr. Bluth. I know you and I are buddies." Uh, but I need to go do this Disney movie. I can't pass it up. And he he passed up being in Land Before Time to do this. Now, 
this I don't think this would happen today because you would not want to scavenge the box office. Land Before right. Time came out the same day as Oliver and Company. Oh, man. Hey, Don, Don Bluth went head-to-head with the mouse with Land Before Time. Why? Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's, but that's Don Bluth. Yes, and showing it, his, it yep. outgrossed Oliver and Company by a, <laughs> by, by a long shot. Because Oliver and Company, and uh, like, obviously we're not, I don't want to like get in here and be like, here are the numbers and blah, blah, blah. But I think it's important to point out that the the upstart that was Don Bluth that went off to to form his own company managed to defeat a Disney film. This is the only one that he was able to do in his career was Oliver and Company. Um, because from this point on, he went face to face with the Renaissance. So sorry, buddy, right. you were you were doomed for failure <laughs> from the get go here. Your time has come at this point. <laughs> uh, but before before that, actually. Another animated film had defeated the Disney film, which was the Care Bears. We didn't mention this in the Black Cauldron, but the Care oh, Bears, man. the Care Bears movie, outgrossed the Black Cauldron. That's come on, guys. <laughs> that is so disappointing. Like, I'm sorry, this movie about fluffy, happy bears that all do weird <laughs> powers from their stomach that 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 beats the Black. That beats Disney. Huh? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I guess do the comparison real quick in your head. Happy, fluffy animals that can sell toys, right? Dark, depressing demons. Well, to to be honest, it, not to not to tangent off into the Care Bear movie, but have you seen that movie? Ah, uh, no, I have not. There is a demon in a book that tricks a kid into using black magic to to to, to take all the love and care out of the world. I, I, I didn't. I did. I did not know this existed. Oh, I mean, man. I know. I knew it. Ex- I knew it existed. I didn't know that was a part of the movie. It's. What? It's unfortunate. My my ironclad memory for for garbage. <laughs> I can even <laughs> sing two of the songs from the Care Bear movie, and I still to this day, anyone, anytime I meet someone named Nick, or if I have a friend, like a buddy, like I have multiple friends named Nick, I'm always like Nicholas, <laughs> which is the villain. <laughs> Talking to the poor kid, and never mind. It's completely t- tangential. Here. <laughs> let, let me just let me just point out that Don Bluth, uh, his three films that he had released theatrically so far before this were the Secret, uh, the the Secret of Nim, which mm-hmm. only made fourteen million, American Tale, which made about eighty, and then Land Before Time, which made eighty five, and outgrossed uh, Oliver and Company. And after, but he he was failing. He still failed with that because of how much effort, animation effort they were putting into those three films. It was mm-hmm. much like the what Walt went through in the past of, well, we need to make a hit. You keep w- losing all this money producing these films. You overly produce them and you spend too much money on them and we're not seeing a return. Don Bluth suffered the same issue. You cannot airbrush every frame of a film. Right. And then, like, and yeah. then expect to have a return off of it. Yeah, that you're yeah. spending so much more cash just to, just to make it. Yes, you know. Yes, it looks beautiful. Yes, it'll always be known as being a very beautiful, gorgeous looking mm-hmm. film. But at the time, yeah. we need the money there, Don. Can you can you give us the money, please? And and unfortunately, d- despite outgrossing with Lamb Before Time, the only thing Don Bluth could do after this point was make All Dogs Go to Heaven, which he did not want to do. He did not want to make a dog movie. But when, even after Oliver and Company, so about, uh, we're looking at 89 here, the highest grossing Disney movies to date mm-hmm. 101 Dalmatians, Lady and the Tramp, Fox and the Hound. 
The three dog movies. Think what, about Don it. didn't want to do that? What did he he did not want to do that because it was like, oh, the world doesn't need another dog movie. You're right, Don. No one needs another dog movie. <laughs> and I mean that to this day, Secret Life of Pets is a bad film. All right, so. I will agree. <laughs> so, well, moving on a slight topic change here, TC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> now, I have, I have a real serious, hard-nosed question to ask mm, you, mm-hmm, TC. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if you know where I'm going with this. Mm. Do you think we should have cast Bruce Willis instead of Billy Joel? Oh, that is not where I thought you were going with this. I know. But you know what? I, know. I do think they should have cast Bruce Willis as Dodger. <laughs> uh, seriously, though, uh, Bruce Willis has, has done voice work since uh, Over the Hedge. He's the voice of the raccoon. Yeah. He's got a talent for it. And honestly, this was peak Bruce Willis, right? I mean, Wait, right, this right. Was... He's, he's already he's he's already released the Return of Bruno, so he's already released his actual album. First off, <laughs> so I'm sorry, it was not the peak of Bruce Willis; it was the downward spiral <laughs> beginning. <Shut up. laughs> I know you were meaning Moonlighting as oh. the TV show, and he won Emmys, and we oh, were diehard, we diehard, right? Well, right. Well, we're gearing up into uh, into diehard territory mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. this point because it's it's uh, he was already the Moonlighting star, right, a year and. Right, so he was. It's the peak of Bruce Willis. It's not the downfall. His star was you rising, Jeff. Back. His star was rising. You're right, though. Bruce we have Willis. yet to hit Hudson Hawk. That is the important part here, TC. Bruce, Bruce as Dodger. Hell yeah, that would have been. Wouldn't that have been, have been fantastic? <laughs> he could have still sang the one song, but that he had a. Why sing. should I worry? Huh. What? Or Why just have Billy what? Joel just have Billy Joel still sing the song and have that be Dodger's singing voice. You know what? It would that, still have worked. That that is the Disney way, right? You you cast a voice actor and then you cast someone else to be the singing voice. <laughs> exactly. I exactly. Go on to IMDb right now and open up both Billy Joel and Bruce Willis's page and flip between them. Their photos like line up so well and it kind of looks like the oh, same guy. Man. Maybe just a little bit pudgier, Billy Joel. Do you, do you think that would have would have changed much of the film if if Bruce Willis no. had been? Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. It, it wouldn't have because all that it would have been is it would have been a hey he's popular cash grab at that point. That's exactly. Yeah, which, it would have been a try to have been like, "Hey, he's big right now. Let's get Bruce Willis on." None of the kids would have brought it or would have come to it because of him. Also, he wouldn't have honestly. He really would not have delivered any difference of a yeah, probably like a yeah, slightly right. better read than Billy Joel. Just because, as you mentioned earlier, Billy Joel isn't really an actor. No, he's no. he's a musician. I love his music. I love <laughs> his music to death. Mm-hmm. Just not a. He's not an actor. That's why if you. Again, look at his IMDb credit. He's acted in six things, and five of them, he appears as Billy Joel. As himself. <laughs> as himself. This is the only time he ever did a character. Uh, and two of those things were for his music videos. Like, come on, guys, come on. He's not an actor. <laughs> but having said that, and I really just wanted to bring it up because that's, when I first saw Dodger, I was like, oh, this would have this totally would have been a Bruce Willis character. You know, it's, you know, it's like, eh, it's yeah. a New York guy. You know, come on, it's Bruce, it's Bruce Willis. That's who you think that's, of. At least that's who I think of. You do a pretty good Bruce Willis, by the way. Um, yeah, it was nothing to tell like you the truth. Bruce if this, <laughs> what? Yeah. If, uh, <laughs> if, if, um, if this movie had been in development just a couple years removed, then mm-hmm. Bruce Willis probably would have been cast as Dodger, but because that's the way Katzenberg and Eisner thought. So Katzenberg ran the company much like I, I already commented on this, and, I, and let, let me delve into the the history behind this film. Okay, um, that he he did run it by the numbers. He ran it as as 
this is how we make money. This is not how we make art, right? I know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about. I, I made Beverly Hills cap. Jeez. <laughs> oh, so Give the guy one hit and... <laughs> <no>. <laughs> and actually, Eisner and Katzenberg would, would always take the credit for Beverly Hills cap. They would always... No, it was me. It was not me. And it was not Jeff. It was me. Oh, don't listen to Mike. Don't listen to Mike. It was me. It was me. It was me. It was totally um, me. But, but in, in this Katzenberg era, so the way this movie came about was Katzenberg and, I, and Eisner would do... They called it their gong show. They would do pitch sessions, which I would love to work for a company that would do this because what they would do is they would do pitch sessions. Anyone in the company, in fact, they were anyone in the comp- everyone in the company was required to come pitch films to them, and they would literally gong people out if they didn't like an idea. Oh man! Right. So they they. Uh, they did this at, at Paramount when they were, when they were running things there, and so they brought it over to Disney. Another another like glimpse behind the Hollywood cur- Hollywood curtain for a lot of these animators who had only ever worked <laughs> at Disney, and the rejection rate was so high. Um, but people people started figuring out what they like. Like uh, Katzenberg wanted modern day things. Fairy tales are done. No one gives a crap about fairy tales anymore. Give me something hip. Give me something cool. So the senior guys couldn't figure out how to pitch, but the younger employees did figure out how to pitch, right? Okay, and, uh, okay. Um, and, and, and they wanted to take animation into a new direction, and the best way to do that is to bring in new blood. Um, and a lot of the new blood pitched to their tastes and pitched to their ideas. So mold, moldy old fairy tales is what they were called. They wanted smart modern stories for the 20th century. That's what's in um, Pete Young, who was uh, this, he was a younger animator producer at Disney. He was only about thirty in this era, um, mm-hmm. and everybody liked this guy. He was one of those just super likable guys. He came up with the pitch of Charles Dickens with dogs set in New York City, and all he had to say okay. was New York City and dogs. And Katzenberg was like, "Go on, this sounds yeah, of course. great. This sounds great." <laughs> Because we totally haven't done anything similar yeah. to this in the past. <laughs> <laughs> uh, an, another similar idea that almost got got accepted here uh, that were that were making their way around around the room was uh, a Hansel and Gretel with a Valley Girl perspective. So like oh. Hollywood, L.A., down and out in Beverly Hills. <laughs> oh, and and uh, see, right, you're groaning at that because that is so. That's such a dated idea. It's so. It's yeah. too close to the era it was in. Whereas something that was removed from the era, like Joe Hale, another an, another oldie but a goodie at Disney, he proposed a World War II themed film um, that they were like, "No, we don't. That's come on. No one wants to see uh, World War II stuff. Come on, get yeah. out of here." Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, in in these pitch pitch meetings, Ron Clemens who is a name that will pop up a lot throughout the Renaissance, he t- tossed out Hans Christian Andersen's Little Mermaid and Robert Louis Stevenson's <laughs> Treasure Island. Like, those were his dream projects. And and everyone was like, no, 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 come on. What do we say about fairy tales? Get that garbage out of here. Well, he was he was like, you know what? I'm writing up a pitch anyway. <laughs> I, think, I have a feeling that kind of worked, worked out for him yeah, a little it bit. Out in, it worked out in his favor there. Huh? <laughs> no, a little bit, a little bit. But you know what worked out better, TC? What's that? Of all the movies oh, that we have oh, watched come on so now. far, come on. 
and all the terrible segues possible to get into this section just so I could mm. ask you first. You know, you've, you've asked me first. Well, Jeff, I will answer you first, but I want to finish one last little little anecdote, and this comes from the Mouse in Transition book uh, written by Steve okay. Hillett, who uh, I recommended yes. last episode. Uh, he pitched this, – this just shows the – just the kind of ma- the kind of person Katzenberg was. I just this is really set, is telling of him. Uh, Steve Hewlett, who was an old oldie, uh, like an old school guy at, at Disney, he pitched the man who would be king by um, uh, Kipling, who also did Jungle Book, and they just shot that down. They're like, no, no one wants to see a South American adventure film where a couple of guys get get mixed up in thinking they're this, that, or the other. Dude, Katzenberg went on to make Road to El Dorado like ten years later. Yeah. You're completely yeah. like, hey, you know, it'd be a good idea. The road, the man who would be king. <laughs> hmm, I wonder where he got that idea from. Uh, it's hmm. just, it was just, it's just this amazing. It's the Hollywood yes. I, that's not a term that I've. I don't know if anyone uses, but that's what I like to call it. It's the Hollywood yes, which is that's amazing. I love it. Yes, we'll call you. No, that means no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Pete Young is the one who pitched Oliver and Company, and over the course of of developing this film. He worked his butt off on this film, and they they would come in the room. Eisner would come in. Hey, no, no, try this. Roy Disney would come in. No, 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 try this. Katzenberg would come in. No, 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 do this. Constantly, constantly, constantly bombarding him with ideas and even demanding a full storyboard presentation that Pete had to do himself. He, oh, Pete Young geez. had to do alone, and he hated everything he, about what he had to do, but he, he, he wanted to make this movie. It was his idea, and... And they just ran him through the ringer, and they treated him so poorly. Just this young, poor guy. They even took $500,000 straight out of the budget to give to Great Mouse Detective in the middle of production for this film. <laughs> because Great, See, Mouse Detective like that was, just... Great Mouse Detective was testing better. So they're like, sorry, Oliver and Company, here's half a million dollars gone. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. see, and that would just be like, I'm sorry, what are you, what are you doing to my movie? And Okay, yeah. well, I guess I'm done. Thanks. Uh, you can finish it. I'm going to yeah. be over here crying in the corner it's, it's with sad, Dom DeLuise. A sad, a sad <laughs> ending to this is that Pete Young passed away at 37. He died very young before Aller and Company was even completed. Um, his his baby. And I, I don't know. I, I mean, it wasn't. I'm not saying this led to the end of his life. It's just that his life ended so prematurely for someone who was an inspired creator. And it's. And the, and the, comp- and the, the, the machine ate him up and spit him out like a lot of these. A lot of these Disney, Disney guys, uh, but the young guys came out of this playing the game and knowing how to achieve art along with marketing. And mm-hmm. that being said, <laughs> where do I rank this in this in the grand scheme of things? I am so glad you did not keep talking and hope to make me forget that I asked you first. I was waiting so Jeff, for you to all ask the me. movies we've watched so far. No. Uh, like, ah, no, 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 no. I asked you first, buddy. I think it's it, it's 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 pretty clear. I mean, obviously, we've been sitting here for for this entire episode, and I've been mm-hmm. I've been. You can hear the tone in my voice. You can hear I'm not a fan of this movie, and and whether yep. it's because. I know I can I know what was going on behind the scenes and I feel bad for what the studio had become. But I want to keep want people to keep this in mind. I don't read any trivia, I don't read any background information until after I've watched the film. I want to mm-hmm. form my opinion as cleanly as possible. Like so and, and I thank you guys for tweeting uh, theories and comments at me, but I, I save them for the most part until after I've watched the movie without any preconceived notions. Um, but you've heard the tone of my voice. You can hear 
<laughs> you can tell. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> because of Bette Midler and kicking, just kicking it with Jor- uh, Georgette, and uh, Why Should I Worry is a really good song. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, for yeah. Th- for those two reasons alone, I am putting this above Black Cauldron, but it is the it is the second to last movie on my list right here. Ooh, so TC so, so putting it six. in at number six. Yeah, okay. this is this is number six, and and I, I I hate to belabor the point, but it's just there's something not great. There's just a lot of not great things about this movie. Where it's it's I don't know who the main character is. I don't know yep. what's the direction this film wanted to take was it felt like it could have used another, maybe another half a million dollars. I think that's what it needed, Jeff. When a long story short, long story short, this movie could have used another half a million and it would have been great. So it would Jeff, have been fantastic. Where do you rank this, this guy? Well, I am, I am not far behind you on, on my opinions regarding the movie. It was definitely, uh, it, it 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 was it was fun to watch. I I liked Dom DeLuise's performance. I loved Sykes as the villain. Once I realized he was the actual villain, mm-hmm. uh, I liked yeah. I a lot of the same reasons as you said. Like I like why would I or why should I worry? It 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 feels it feels very much so like what I know of Disney songs like shows like movie songs that are coming up here in the near future with mm-hmm. some of our uh, some of these movies that we're going to get to uh it definitely did feel like that direction and that made me happy but at the same time it wasn't you know it, it wasn't enough to save it i'm actually putting mine a little higher mm-hmm. however i am also putting mine above the black cauldron <laughs> <laughs> so i'm putting mine at my number five spot okay uh just because uh yeah I, I, I mean it was it was fun but it the the fun elements just was not enough to save it from Billy Joel was not enough to save it TC <laughs> and you he, know he never is like the <laughs> the stranger was the second vinyl record i ever sorry third vinyl record i ever bought because i love that album to death i i love billy joel's music mm-hmm. not enough to save the movie for me not enough to save and the movie. unfortunately yeah. nothing else i agree I, it could have used a half a million dollars <laughs> good point it, tc for, very good point in, in the in the big picture when looking at the library i th- i feel like this is a lessons learned film you can see what can work in this. You can you you really can see what works in this movie. If you really mm-hmm. just break it down to its elements, there are the pieces here that they can then use for movies we're about to see in the future. But a lot of the missteps made in this film are are dumb mistakes that they they have made in their lesser films through the 20, 20 plus movies we've watched so far. They're, they should have known better. But it was this. It was this grinding machine that that was a lot of the behind the scenes stuff really affected this film and trying to capitalize on the wrong things. This isn't what people wanted. You think this is what people wanted to see, but this is not what people wanted to see. Um, right. And I think we'll explore a little bit more of that whole refining the the the, the film and refining the the look and what people want. That's definitely when we start talking about uh, next week's movie because it, yeah, it's yeah. you can see just like if you look at a lot of like the cast and the crew on Oliver and Company, you start seeing very particular people are now showing up. Also, Oliver and Company had like I don't know had like fifteen writers on it. Like yeah, you look at like right, everybody who technically story, wrote it. That story card is. <gasps> Over a dozen people, which is... That's it's a, insane. There's a problem right there. That is too many cooks in the kitchen. Too many cooks. Right. Too many cooks. 
Oh, don't bring that back, please. Don't bring that back. <laughs> well, if we if we look at our if look at our like lessons, if this is a movie for kids, yes, this this definitely yeah. falls in the same category as Secret Life of Pets or mm-hmm. uh, something like the Minions movies or Sing. It's digestible. Sit a kid down in front of this. Cats, dogs singing. It's fine. They're gonna like it. This is great. But if if in terms of like learning lessons from this film, no. Bring it. Bring, try to get a kid to experience the actual Oliver Twist to create some sort of conversation to be had with a kid about mm-hmm. morality and your place in the world, finding your place in the world. And whereas, like we've had movies in the past, like Robin Hood and The Great Mouse Detective, just recently, where we were kind of talking about, hey, this could be a good um, like stepping in point for getting kids, like a kid's interested in this, hey, we could introduce them to Sherlock Holmes, or hey, mm-hmm. we can introduce them to, you know, like more of the fantasy Robin Hood stories. Whereas those movies kind of worked at being able to do that, this one definitely, you, I, I, there's no way I would ever go, or actually make the connection of going, oh, it's Oliver and Company, it's like Oliver and Twist. You want to read a book? Yeah. You want to read a book about this? <laughs> no. Not, not no, really. I'll, I'll go see a play no. or watch a movie. Come on now. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm good, thanks. <laughs> Uh, but no, I, I don't think I definitely don't think this one worked in the same way as those other two films. Yeah, yeah. potentially were able to kind of bridge that gap to older media. Mm-hmm. But um, um, I do really quick before we yeah, before yeah. we go any further or, or take any questions or answer any questions or, or yeah. wrap it up, depending upon just what we have. I do want to make a quick. Uh, I want to I want to talk about the Disney tropes really quick yes, and the Disney first for this one. So uh, the Disney first, we'll do that one easier, or that would do that first. Uh, it's the first time that a different piece of music has appeared over the cur- the 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 eighties nineties Disney logo. I wanted oh, the, to clarify that the castle, the blue with the white castle. Yes, because oh, yeah. it wasn't the Disney theme. It was the it was the opening score that was kicking in over mm-hmm. the opening logo. Uh, and my other one is that it was a first song that was written by Howard Ashman. Ah, who would be better yes. known for producing and writing a lot of music uh, for the next couple of films that we are going to stumble across. Nice. Um, so those are my kind of my first. Those were a lesser week, more technical sides. Mm-hmm. But my Disney tropes. Mm-hmm. All right, let's do this, okay? <laughs> Disney tropes. Yep. Orphaned main character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of yep. course. Al- Oliver. The, Oliver. Oliver. Mm-hmm. The villain has animal sidekicks. Yep, you got the two Dobermans. The two Dobermans. And then finally, the main character's death fakeout. Ooh, because that yeah. appears a couple of times. Because there's a legitimate <laughs> moment where they, even though I'm watching it, going, Oliver's not dead. They're, no, he's not dead. Stop it. He's not dead. Look, he's not dead. Aww. But there's still they do convey it as maybe he did die. Oh, maybe uh, he isn't coming Oliver's back. Like gone. <laughs> oh no, the character that isn't really the character in this movie is dead. What am I going to do now? It's mm-hmm. going to just continue on Mommy, with another Billy Joel song. Why? <laughs> look away baby so those are my look away it's okay those are my uh, those are my mm-hmm. Disney tropes and my first for this particular um, movie TC alright uh, do I, we have any questions any 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 asks possibly from yes, anybody yeah, out there yes got a few comments from the Facebook page so you can hit up facebook.com slash top shelf pod uh, we toss up the episodes uh, just to let you know we're recording if you want to throw any questions at us before we record uh, typically mm-hmm. on Mondays, and then the episode recording, which you're listening to now, we once it gets up, that will be a thread as well. So if you want to comment on anything we've had to say here, head on over there. But leading into the episode, we did get a few comments from some listeners. Andrea, thank you for listening. Uh, when she was a little, uh, when she was a little, wait, wait, when she was a little, her older sister <laughs> decided uh, movies would be sad, and then no one in the house was allowed to watch it. 
So uh, <laughs> movies on this list included Pinocchio and Bambi, Fox and the Hound, and Oliver and Company. So she only recently rewatched all of them with us. So thank oh, you man. For, for joining us on this journey. Um, and, and and she feels bad because she felt like she had a heart of stone at first and and realized that maybe her sister was being a little dramatic and that these movies aren't that sad. Um, and so she watched Oliver Company and she didn't like it. She didn't like the time frame. She didn't like the background animation. She didn't like the story. And... <laughs> Um, so see, your sister was saving you. She from was something. saving you, Andrea. She was saving you. Um, this, uh, but on the other hand, she did see Oliver Twist, a stage performance, a theater production, um, musical production of Oliver Twist, eight to ten times in one uh, one uh, one uh, stretch of time because her sister was in the musical. So that also, oh, okay. play. but you know what, Andrea? No. That is not why you don't like this movie, because this movie has very little to do with Oliver Twist. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, man, sorry. I, I was sitting there thinking. I was like, I, I had something in my head, and my head just it just fell out of my head entirely. Oh, I'm so may, sorry. Maybe it'll come back. So, uh, Alison Chickarell, thank you for listening as well. Alison is a, um, a very talented actress. We've worked with on several productions. So, uh, oh, yes. for those listening who are into some amazing short films, check out her work. And she opens up with big, fat capital letters, Bet freaking Midler. True. Very <laughs> true. She, very she true. admits that when she was seven years old, she would sing Perfect Isn't Easy on the school bus while she was probably supposed to be caring about like the Backstreet Boys or something. But um, <laughs> <laughs> she, she did not do the actions because, yeah, Georgette totally plays with her supposed boobs at one point when yes, delivering the lyrics. Does. Some minors adjustments, darling. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yet, you you know what, Elson, you were a super cool kid because you understood quality performance, and that's what Bette Midler was giving you. Indeed. So uh, Indeed. she is- she said she would even sit and figure out the piano parts for you and me together, uh, whenever uh, or whatever the name of the song is that uh, that Jenny plays. She would she would play that. Um, no, and, and she does a little name drop in here. Oh, oh! This was her introduction to Dom DeLuise, who was actually a friend of her dad's. So it was fun what? to see his voice work before she actually met him for the first time. So that it, the movie's kind of special for her for that reason. Which, Allison, you knew Dom DeLuise. He's a legend. That's amazing. <laughs> also, I'm glad that I didn't say, "Man, Dom DeLuise, what a jerk!" I no. hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then she she reminds us, and we probably and yes, we we did notice this in Why Should I Worry. There are some familiar looking pups such as Pongo yes. and Lady. Yep. Although those movies take place in different time or different eras, so we'll just say that they are pseudo cameos right and they are time traveling dogs they, there will be a future animated dog go. movie disney We're, will release that explains the secret time traveling of pets oh my gosh you know what if it was a dreamworks movie it would just be titled time traveling dogs yep but if it was <laughs> like oh <laughs> real original there you might be one of those guys that you know renamed the movies for oh, every uh, oh boy oh boy time traveling sure is <laughs> rough am i right guys am i right guys oh, <laughs> oh boy jeez Oh, don't give any ideas, TC. There might be people listening. Uh, yes, Allison. People of power. Yes, Allison. Poor baby Oliver at the beginning of the film, definitely. That I is agree. a sweet, sweet sadness right there. Um, and finally, we have one final comment from Wyatt. 
What? Thank you for listening. And uh, with uh-huh. Oliver and Company, Disney attempted to earn recognition with an older audience with popular music of the late 80s of Billy Joel and Bette Midler. And he's wondering why we think Disney went that way to put butts in the seats the way uh, when later they went back to their Broadway Calypso Disney style pastiche flair, right? With Little Mermaid. Mm-hmm. He feels that was contradictory for uh, and a bit embarrassing for a children's film or uh, because. It, because, yeah, so you're not we, – we did kind of touch on that. They were trying to market funny. I don't know why they were doing this. But it's it's like I said, they learned lessons from this film and capitalized on what didn't work to create the, the – to go back to princesses. And there, there's something that Disney is very smart about, especially in their more recent films. They don't title the films – with girly titles. The Little Mermaid has a girlish quality to it. Beauty and the Beast. Beauty, that's a Sleeping Beauty and Cinderella, Snow White. Like those all have very eh, feminine girlish connotations to them, right? You can we can admit mm-hmm. that. But Frozen does not. Tangled does not because someone is smart enough to go, "Oh, hey, if we don't say princess movie or if we don't have something that specifically says princess movie, we won't ostracize some someone who might be like, eh, that sounds like a girl's movie. Right, right. Yeah. So we're kind of moving away from that era where, like we were talking about back in the day, where there'd be, well, here's an animated film that was obviously geared towards girls, and here was one that was a little more geared towards the boys, and then right. back to the girls again. It's like, no, no, we're just going to be very kind of vague. Yeah. And just they they do still <laughs> They do still kind of let that pendulum swing. Um, which is smart because they're creating they're 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 playing to both sides of the market. But in general, I feel like, yeah, it was weird that they <laughs> that they tried to <laughs> try to use adults and and whatnot. But at the same time, that can succeed when you look at and not to look too far ahead. John C. Riley was the perfect voice for Wreck It Ralph, right? There oh, is, absolutely. And and I think that that'll come out of the Laster era when we get there. His his whoever his voice casting like whoever's doing his voice casting. That person is a genius. <laughs> so, but that that is all our comments. If you'd like to tweet at us, you can tweet at me at TC's Big Head, or you can tweet at Jeff at Random Bell. Again, you can hit up the Facebook page to comment on any of the episodes we've posted, past, present, or future. And um, yeah, well, a quick plug for Lindsay and Colin. So check out the yep. other Top Shelf podcast, which is going through the Oscar Best Pictures. Their most recent was Moonlight. No, what are the they just did the artists. That was their most recent. Yeah. yeah, and they and in case you guys did not see, I posted it a, a couple of weeks ago or last week when it happened. But uh, Lindsay and Colin are moving their show. Those show their show will be released on Fridays when they release them. Mm-hmm. Just because we were a little concerned uh, with them coming out, they were releasing their episodes on Monday, which was in the same time we were posting that we were recording, and we just we didn't want people to lose sight of either either show basically yes, so yeah, we wanted so. to we wanted to give Lindsay and colin uh their time on the weekends or actually Lindsay and i were deciding this because we went up we were we were we were up we went up north for uh for labor day weekend actually <laughs> colin was there too uh, the three of us were discussing it yeah and uh um <laughs> we were just we were brainstorming and talking about stuff and realized that that would be best to move it yeah, to friday yeah. so their show will be on friday so the whole weekend and then we're there back on monday through wednesday yeah, and uh, one one quick additional plug for our bonus content this week, which is uh, mm-hmm. my my guest appearance on the Technophiles Let's Play uh, Technophiles podcast Let's Play, which is linked uh, below here as well as on Facebook or on Ghost Hat, where Jeff will post this. And uh, yeah, let us know what you think of that because we got a few more of those coming out, and um, I'm curious 
how people it's a different style of content and i'm curious how people uh, react to it so <laughs> well i'm excited to watch and or listen to it as well tc <laughs> well I, I i am excited to 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 actually get you on the next time because you were so slammed there was no way to get you involved in the in the let's play i know well, and so. i'm so sorry it's been oh, too you know busy what? don't worry life about has it. been tough <laughs> darn life adult darn life getting adulting. in the way Let's talk about Disney movies. Let's, let's. Yay! <laughs> it makes my soul feel nice inside. Speaking of Disney movies, hence this podcast. Also, mm-hmm. King of Segways this tonight. Today's yes. episode. Yes. Uh, this week. Let's do it. Next week's movie, TC. Uh-oh. Next week's movie. TC, I am very excited. Because I have not watched this movie in. I couldn't tell you the last time I saw this movie. Honestly. We're watching the 1989 Little Mermaid. We might, maybe, maybe, maybe. Little tease, little have tease. A, yeah. have, have a special guest for this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can't, I can't, I'm not going to say whether or not it's going to happen. It just all depends upon scheduling. If it does happen, you will hear special guest talk. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when it happens. Otherwise, you'll hear me go, yeah, it didn't work out. Sorry, guys. And then I'll tell you who special <laughs> guest was supposed to be. But uh, yeah, we might actually have our first special guest for this show, um, mostly because I was, I was, I was told... They were going to be a guest on this episode. <laughs> there was no arguing about it. There was it. no arguing or asking. It was that's happening. So that's gonna tr- <laughs> we're gonna try to make that happen for for next week's episode. Next week, and hopefully yeah, next yeah. week's episode will be next week. Uh, hopefully we won't miss uh, miss much. We won't uh, do that to uh, you again, guys. No, that was totally last minute and just out of the blue and. Mm-hmm. Ugh, we try to make it work. As it is, we're recording this episode the day before the episode goes out just no, to make they, sure we They don't get need no inside week. baseball, Jeff. Tease? We show behind the scenes and the production of the films. They don't need to know behind the scenes. All right, right, right. But when when do we do the podcast about the behind the scenes of the podcast that we do? That'll be our, our special podcast that we create after the series is over. <laughs> Ooh, top shelf, top shelf podcast. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think that about does it, We're Jeff. done. Say your yes. farewells. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening again. Thanks for coming back with us, and we'll see you next time. TC, do the sign-off. Yes, I am TC for Jeff Bell over there. For all you listeners out there saying thank you once again, we'll see you next time. And this, this is a very wordy sign-off. It is a very wordy (laughs) sign-off, but I'm okay with that. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Oh, wait, no, no, we're still on Alabama. Why should I worry? I'm doing the Stevie Wonder rocking back and forth. I don't know why. I think it's the sunglasses. This has been a production of Ghost Hat Media, proud member of the Ghost Hat Network. Find them online at www.ghosthat.net. <laughs> I like the ending.